you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. Yeah, you'll still miss out on some things we think are pretty cool, especially the intergenerational community and music and charming children by not being in worship on Sunday morning. And you won't be able to get any of the sweets we serve after church, but we can give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so that if you're away from home or working or coaching your kid's soccer team, or maybe you just had to sleep in, you can still keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, snuggle up in your favorite fuzzy onesie at that time of year with a cup of hot cocoa and whichever of the Apple AirPods you haven't lost yet tucked in your ear holes and receive this with an open mind and an open heart. And we're serious about that open mind thing. We don't actually expect you to completely agree with everything we say. We want you to think, to figure out what you believe. But in the midst of that, our sincere hope is that you will experience a mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So it is Advent. Yay! Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We don't want you to be confused. We are going to be posting our Advent podcast episodes as we record them. And we're still catching up from last year. So you'll be getting some episodes are Advent and some episodes will be from last year. Uh, the ones that are Advent will be labeled season three. Uh, the ones from last year will be labeled season two. Uh, so if it doesn't all make sense, just pay attention to which episodes you're listening yes. to and that will help. But yeah, it, it is Advent. And I told my congregation, you know, it's, it's easy to get swept up in the, the Christmas party. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a reason why we hold off. There's a yes. reason why we sit in this season for a little while and don't do that. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, I preached this sermon and then I immediately went to the Spirit of the Season Christmas <laughs> concert, which is all joy and glam and right. celebration. And I just sat there thinking, I am such a hypocrite. <laughs> but, uh, but I think I think really think Advent's about balancing the two. Yeah, no, I think you can, you're sort of living in two cultures at once. You know, you're right. living in, in our culture and art is great. So I'm not going to dis art. Uh, even if it's, I think, a little premature. But Christmas doesn't start till after Christmas, before Christmas. Yeah. We have Advent. And so the 12 days of Christmas are not the 12, 12 days, days of these. chocolate on your cardboard calendar that you got at Trader nope. Joe's. Nope. The 12 days are after Christmas. Christmas, the 25th through uh, January 6th is the yeah. 12 days of Christmas. So, so we're in Advent right now. And Advent... And we haven't even talked about the possibility that there are some people who want Advent to be even longer. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I did say, you know, when you're in seminary, all of our professors say, you must do Advent, you must do Advent, you must do Advent. And then all of our field training pastors who we're working with in an actual setting say, if you don't start singing Christmas carols. carols by the second week, they'll kill you. And yes, so, exactly. you know, so there's some practical stuff that we do yeah. as well. Advent hymns are a little less popular than Christmas carols. Uh, Advent hymns include things like, Ooh. blessed be the God of Israel and... <laughs> Yeah, they're a little, they're more some about, of them have a harder tune. More about prophecy. Um, o Come, yeah. O Come, Emmanuel is technically an Advent song. Yes. Uh, so it's about o that waiting for Christ yes. to show up. So 
so I told them I'm starting with a story I know I've told them before. It's a parable by Peter Rollins that I love. Okay. And one of the reasons I used it was because it had been in my head all week anyway. And sometimes when those things have been in your head, you got to get... Even if I've used it before, I will use it again. And the other reason I used it was because I had about two hours of sleep the night before. Because <laughs> uh, Ben fell and broke his ankle. So we spent a lot of time in the ER and trying to get him... Settled. Settled with the right pain meds and everything the night before. So it was a, it's an easy get, but... The Invisible Prophet is by Peter Rollins. And he says, you know, it's said that when God sent one of the greatest prophets to earth, one of the greatest truth tellers to earth, the devil was so terrified that people would heed her message that he hatched up a plan to ensure it would never be heard. He decided to conceal her message as best he could. So he looked far and wide for a hiding place that would be impenetrable and nobody would ever hear it. After a long and difficult search, the devil finally found the perfect hiding place he concealed the prophet's message in beauty. Mm. When the prophet finally began her ministry, people would gather around to witness her legendary beauty and elegance. She moved with such grace, and when she opened her mouth, her words sounded as if they had been carefully crafted by some divine poet and sung by a choir of angels. It's just mm -hmm. like me. <laughs> when she spoke, the crowds would reverently murmur, isn't she beautiful? How elegantly she moves. What extraordinary grace and splendor she has and what majestic poetry she crafts. The great painters would sketch her form, and the poets used her as a muse. The critics would delight themselves in her carefully crafted words, and the sculptors would turn to their marble. Her message was a difficult one, telling of an impending tragedy that would befall the earth if the people did not learn to love the planet, to live simply, to turn from selfishness, and embrace humility. She proclaimed that whole cities would be leveled if people did not learn to love once more without limit, without return, and without borders. Mm. But the prophet's cries of condemnation, while celebrated as poetry, were not heard. Her beauty and elegance eclipsed her message until both she and her words disappeared entirely beneath her voice and form. So it was that the people moved toward their destruction with dancing and celebration with eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear. Oh, so true. The message that can get lost in beauty seems pretty relevant for this time of year. Amen. We like to jump straight into the kind, quiet, pretty part which is Christmas. Oh, it's a new baby. We all love new babies. I was talking so to Emmy. Cute. And I said, Emmy, why do you like Christmas? And she goes, babies are cute. <laughs> I said, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. All of the kids at our church will tell you that their little brothers and sisters are less cute when they're screaming at 2 o'clock in the morning and have dirty diapers and everything else. But, oh, yeah. Um, we like to jump into that kind of idyllic scene. Yeah. In fact, we have all these creches, these nativity scenes mm -hmm. that we put up in our houses that depict this amazing scene. And one of the beautiful things about crushes is that everybody's there at the same time, time. Which is not how the story happens. So all of the strangers from the East, sometimes called wise men or kings, the shepherds, the angels, the sheep, the Donkey. livestock, yeah, Mary and Joseph, and the little baby Jesus, and the star shining above. All of it's at the same time. All of our crushes depict this scene. Do you have a crush in your house, Susan? Yes, I have. Well, I don't have a whole crush right now. I just have Mary and Joseph and the baby. Okay. They're up year-round. Yeah. Because I haven't really gotten to Christmas decorating yet. Yeah. But the church has one. You What's know. it like? It's all fancy fabrics. and It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Polished. It's beautiful. 
Some of yeah. them, uh, there was a, one of the churches I worked at was called uh, United Japanese Christian Church in Clovis, California. And they Shout had out this. To UJCC. UJ, what's up, UJCC? Stan listens. Hey, Stan. The sanctuary at UJCC was this giant circle mm-hmm. that we could se- sort of section off to be part fellowship hall, but it fit about 400 people. And we would put these tables out. We'd move all the chairs out and we put all these tables up. And then everybody would bring we in their in, yeah. nativity scene. We had a crush walk. Now, we, if it was Reno, we'd call it a crush crawl, probably. But <laughs> give you a glass Can of wine imagine? and go look Can at all imagine? the pictures. So anyway, so we had this, this crush walk. And you could go around and you could see hundreds of these scenes. And some of them were very elegant and crystal and, you know, polished brass, some of them. Right. Um, and then the little kids had crush scenes that they all wanted to bring into the church as well. Veggie tales. And one <laughs> is like superheroes in every scene. And, <laughs> You know, all these different I have versions. One, I have one that's the little people. Uh-huh. And you put the angel on the top and you push it down and it plays music. Oh. It's very elegant. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's delightful. It's very much for little kids. Yeah. I uh, I loved I loved the crush walk. And because it was in a non-dominant culture church, mm-hmm. you got to see a lot of crushes that did not feature blonde baby Jesus, <gasps> which was nice. I know, that's crazy. You got to see crushes that were Asian or African or Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. Um, there was more sensitivity, I think, to the cultural aspect of the identity of Jesus. Some of the crushes I grew up with, my mom had one that was this dark wood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they would hide the baby Jesus. Yeah. So that we, you know, he would appear on Christmas. The problem is, uh, sometimes we would lose the baby Jesus. <laughs> Where did we put baby Jesus this year? Two on the nose yeah. for irony. But Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I have a couple of crushes around my house. Yeah, one I can of actually them, see one right now. One is woven. Oh yeah, that one was a gift. That's ceramic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my little precious. It's all precious momentsy. It's not really, but it's pretty close. I have one that was made in Africa. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a, a gift from one of those alternative Christmas fairs or something. Yeah, I have one that's uh, it's like black clay. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's just and it's just black clay. It's, it hasn't been finished. It's very cool. I like that. You see, one of the things that I was saying, we have all these crush scenes, we have all these nativity scenes, and we like to sort of go, ah, isn't right. it gorgeous? Is it beautiful? And Sarah McLaughlin sings in the arms of the angels in the background. Right. But the actual scene would have been so different. Right. Like, what I really want is a scratch and sniff crash. <laughs> like, you can just tell that the, the, the shepherds have been living outdoors for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe you see on the feet of mm-hmm. these strangers from the east that bunions from traveling yeah. for so long you know you get to see mary giving joe the side eye because because he, because he's not being a helpful husband yeah not always helping with the changing or whatever like just some some reality well, the, the just a always, rust up nativity the, the scene. one that always gets me is is mary is always either standing or sitting mm-hmm. girlfriend would be lying down i would hope so <laughs> my goodness that's a lot of work yeah yeah so to have a, a more realistic crush, I, I like the nativity scenes I've seen painted more recently, mm-hmm. where the people in the scene are kind of characters that you might be a little loath to approach. Right. There's this one of uh, this teenage mom sitting on a fence outside of a 7-Eleven, mm. and her teenage husband, and they're both wearing like baggy gangbanger clothes or whatever, but like they're, you can just tell like these are some rough kids who've grown up on a rough side of town who don't have any place to go. Right. The homeless teenage mom is probably a lot closer to Mary. Right. Or the one I would love to see is the refugee mother. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus' yeah. family was a refugee family. They had to flee for their lives from their home country right. someplace else in order to find safety, to find home. And what if we imagined 
that that was what Jesus's life was like. The, the image that pops into my head is the Dorothea Lang picture from the Dust Bowl mm-hmm. of the mother with the child and the anguish yeah. in the face. I think what we do is in, in, in our beautiful questions is we make Mary look so serene and like, like she doesn't have a worry in the world. Yeah. Hello. She's, a, you know, she knows she's in trouble. Yeah. Right. Like there's no, there's no way to avoid that. Right. And well, on top of all the normal, like early parenting stuff, stuff, she's got a king out to kill her. Mm-hmm. Right. Like none of this is going to go over well, you know? So it's just, it's sort of that blend of all of those images, right? Yeah. That should be our composite. And instead we, we, we kind of, we polish it up and it's beautiful. And we make it beautiful. And we lose the truth yeah. of the scene. It gets lost in, it becomes an invisible prophecy gets lost in the beauty of it you know we read jeremiah and all these old prophets around this time of year Mm -hmm. and we forget intentionally intentionally we forget that jeremiah was writing to a desperate people who were far from home we read these and we go oh yeah god is going to fix everything with this this baby is going to come into the world and isn't that great that's jesus so check we're done with that it's like there are still so many people who are torn from home who are looking mm-hmm. for some kind of redemption story, some kind mm-hmm. of salvation from God for their lives. Right. Uh, that it's not just, well, that happened back in the day. It's where is it happening now? Right. We have to stop looking backward at a pretty scene that we've cleaned up and instead look forward because that is where God is working for us. Amen. And so where are the broken places now? Advent is prophecy. So we don't want to jump too quickly to the party. We don't want to jump too quickly into the resolution of the story. We have to sit here a while in this tension between how the world is and how the world could be or should be. We have to let that impact us. We have to let that grow some compassion in us. We have to let God speak again and again and again. So that was the sermon on Sunday. Nice. Um, I want to, I'll send you the link, Chris, to put in the show notes, but there's a church somewhere in Kentucky that has done, had kids tell the story of, of the nativity Mm -hmm. and had adults act it out. It is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it still cleans up the story. Yeah, of course it does. All of our plays do. You know, the kids describe what the, the, the the gifts are that the wise men bring Mm -hmm. and they relate it to their own lives and they're telling the story and, and, um. They get the main, they get some of the pieces of it, but it also reminds us of some of what we're not telling, what we haven't shared. Yeah. And and perhaps why it's easy to hide this message in beauty. Right. We we Missy and I wrote well, Missy and Kay and I wrote the Christmas play for the children. So the children lead one of the Christmas Eve services mm-hmm. every year. It's at six PM this year, it's gonna be great. But it's the kids it's very meta. It's the kids waiting around for the adults to get their act together yeah. for the Christmas play. Yeah. The adults are in the background just getting frantic and like throwing costumes around and trying to find things online that they can work into a play. And the kids are going, why don't we just tell it our own way? Right. And so they're explaining the story to each other uh, and they get some of it right. And some right. of it, they kind of glaze over because they go, oh, and then there's this part where it's really sad where nobody will give them a place to stay. So we'll <laughs> skip that part, you know? Yeah. So they, there's some of it that they just kind of skip over, but uh, but it's just adorable because it's them going, well, why is this story so important? You know, why do why do we care about right. this moment? It just seems, you know, all of our kids have siblings for the most part. It just seems like, you know, another baby. Yeah. Just another baby. So what's the big idea? Yeah. yeah. So I, I just kind of like that. Um, I do too. I do too. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. 
If you have questions for us or stories you want to relate to us about these topics, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. You can find this podcast on most of the uh, podcasting platforms. We're available on Facebook. And uh, the scripture that was used for this sermon this morning was Jeremiah 33, verses 14 to 16. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jasmine. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing. I want to give you some words from Thomas Merton this time. He says, the coming of the Lord is the coming of the new, not the renewal of the old. Mm. Our Advent is the celebration of this hope, the coming of the new, not the renewal of the old. If you find yourself sometimes looking back and going, if only it could be like that again, or if you only didn't have to deal with all of these problematic people or problematic situations or problematic things in your life, uh, and then everything would be okay, I encourage you to take a moment, think about where God might be moving, even in the midst of those places, because it's never gonna be perfect. It's never gonna be all right, Uh, but it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. So whatever you believe about how the truth will come to you and what kind of beauty it might get wrapped in, how will you choose to live into your own skin this week? How will you be people of hope and love, people who listen and serve and seek justice? Maybe you slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Yeah.